What's up, worshipers? It's your host, Leisha Cole, and I'm really excited. Bring it. <laughs> we have a guest here today. His name's Caleb Barrows. We've been friends for a few years. We've done some ministry stuff together, so I'm really excited to have him here on the show. And Rachel Hicks has joined us before on podcasts. Um, she might be coming back and joining us, maybe not. So I we're hoping, so. yeah, to do a little bit of Bible trivia. And I think you guys are equally matched because Rachel's one against Alexi. I'm a little intimidated. I'm not gonna lie. I think you're, you guys I'm might be evenly matched. Trivia, so I'm glad she's representing the girls. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Caleb, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, like you said, I. I uh, got to come up here in Adrian, Michigan for three years. I was helping him with Neighborhood Church and Plant That with Nate, which was a huge privilege and a really good time getting to be here, get to know you and Rachel Moore and a lot of other fantastic people in this city. So it's actually really good to come back and hang out. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. But I work as a church planner with the FEC, so that's why I came up here. And I'm in the midst of trying to discern where to plant next, which is uh, crazy foggy mess at the moment like where lord are you leading me next so in the process of trying to discern that um but we'll see where that leads mm -hmm. so that's a little bit about me from ohio uh yeah, so I could go into a lot more details, but we'll leave it at that for the moment. Yeah. And for listeners who don't know what is the FEC? The FEC it, it's an acronym for the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches. So it's a, a small little group mostly in the Midwest, Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. So it's been around for over 150 years and it came out of the Mennonite tradition, but lately in the last five to 10 years, it's grown a lot. So it used to be around 38 churches, maybe 10 years ago, and it's upward in the mid sixties now of churches. So they have a real heart to reach out to people that don't know Jesus and to multiply. And I love it. It's a great, humble leadership, really accessible, easy to talk to and get to know people that are really present and eager to engage in relationships and they really love Jesus. And I love them even more, better than anything else. There's no like <laughs> distraction in the FEC around side issues. There's a lot of unity. And so together, um, united around the gospel and being passionate about making disciples. So it's a great group to work with. I like them. That's good to hear. One word that stands out to me that might need clarification is you talked about Mennonite roots. Yeah. And so are there any clarifications you might want to make about about, about that? That's helpful. Yeah, yeah. It actually even goes back farther. They used to be called a great name, the Egly Amish. Like sounds like ugly Amish, but they weren't the ugly Amish. I don't know if that was ever a group. But the Egly Amish. And then they became, I, I think they should have kept these names because they're hilarious to me. They became the defenseless Mennonites. Whoa. Yeah. So they came, they come from the peace tradition of the Mennonites, which actually mm. a lot of respect for okay. them. So people who felt called because of Jesus's teaching not to engage in any violence towards others. So in war or even self-defense. So that's why they called themselves the defenseless Mennonites. And then they progressed to being called the evangelical Mennonites. And then lately, maybe I think 15, 20 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, it is 2019. Wow. Yeah. Over 20 years ago, <laughs> time flying by. Uh, they changed the name to uh, the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches because people were getting distracted and confused by the Mennonite in the name. Mm -hmm. Like, do you just only drive uh, horse-drawn yes, carriages? Yeah. Like, no, we don't wear bonnets and those things. It's not like that at all. You'd look good it's in one, by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you. I really, I sometimes don a bonnet just to have fun, but no. Uh, I didn't grow up in the FEC either. I grew up in really conservative Baptist background, but joined them later after seminary. Um, and so it's been good for me to learn some of that history too. 
Yeah. Where did you go to seminary again? I went to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School um, in the north part of Chicago. So it's a part of Trinity International University. And was that after Taylor? It was. So I went to, yeah, great. I grew up in Ohio and then I went to Taylor University and I thought I was going to be a missionary overseas. I was going to save the whole world. (laughs) It was going to be amazing. And I was going to do medical missions and about my sophomore year transitioned into just focusing on missions and organic chemistry helped me make that decision. <laughs> it was really challenging. And, but also just since God was calling me to focus just on missions and I had more of a passion for that and knew if I did medical missions, so much of the time would be taken up in medicine and the incredible need there. So then I was going to do missions overseas, but that door closed in a unique way. I found myself in India for a couple months with my sister, my middle sister, Carrie, there. I'm sorry, but I found myself. I just happened to be. It (laughs) is. It's like a longer story to connect how that happened. But yeah, yeah, I was in India for a couple months, helping with a nonprofit. Um, They're really great. And then went, uh, it's called Freeset, the nonprofit, then went to Colorado for a couple months where I was trying to find a job with a nonprofit. Uh, in Colorado or in Colorado Springs, uh, Denver rather, Colorado Springs. And that door also closed. So I found myself working as a waiter in a restaurant, realizing this is not what I've really been called to and had to wrestle through a lot of my questions and fears about being a pastor in in ministry. And I I had this sense that if I was going to be a pastor, that meant somehow I was going to end up in the small town in the Midwest, like I grew up in Bell Fountain, alone in a church, trying to care for people that I struggled to love, preaching a gospel I struggled to believe. And for some reason just felt like that's what I was destined for if I became a pastor and was wrestling through those fears and realizing that's not true. I actually feel really called to preach. And it was part of going to a church um, called Park Church in Denver and being there, seeing the pastors work together as a team really stirred me up for some reason. Like, man, this would be amazing and engaging to be a part of this team. And sensing that no matter what I do, I'd end up going to a church on Sunday morning and I'd sit there and realize I'm supposed to be preaching. No matter what else I do, I know I'd end up attending a church, sitting there and see someone else preach and know deep in my spirit, that's actually what I'm supposed to do. And so then I I stepped into seminary, even with all the baggage and the fears. And the Lord then led me into church planning in the FEC. So that's more of the story. Side note, just between our friendship, the line you just said, save that for later. Yeah, it's true. Stepping into Part it, even of the decision-making process, yeah. Yes. I wish we conquered all our misconceptions and fears in one go, but they do keep coming back. Yeah. It's that continual wrestling, absolutely. But it's kind of a good thing because God's just chiseling away over time in a way that we can palate. It's more palatable. Yeah. Not always, but, mm-hmm. you know. No, I really agree. And again, I feel like there's certain hurdles that you think you crossed and then you realize like that there's more there that he wants you to grow through and he's really patient to bring us through him. Sometimes I just wish it was all like microwave Christianity. I really yeah. believe it just took, you know, type in a couple minutes and you're good to go, but it takes a lot longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so what are some of the things you've learned about church planting when you've come after after school and all of that? New chapter Mm -hmm. called to Adrian Mm -hmm. of all places, Adrian, Michigan. I know. Again, it was part of the realization of some of those foolish fears I had of, man, I don't want to go to this small town in the Midwest. I want to go somewhere big and exciting where I'll be famous. That was basically the shorthand of my heart. (laughs) 
And then coming here was facing some of that. Um, but realizing a lot of the richness in church planting is just getting to develop relationships and friendships with people. And then that same slow change and transformation that you get to see in them, that's really amazing. And so, yeah, there are moments where people change really dramatically, say in a week or two, they, they sense the spirit on them and things just break in their life. And it's amazing and really telling stories. But the probably the deeper, harder work is like the two, three, four, ten year stuff of someone slowly changing and wrestling over old wounds. That stuff's really beautiful in ministry. So I think growing an appetite for that kind of ministry and discipleship was really a part of church planning here too for me. And yes, a part of the next story and decision is I get over fears of commitment in place. Uh, but I think the other part too was there's a creativity to church planting. Like you come in and there's nothing. There's there's no church there. There's no community. And you just get to think, Lord, what are you wanting to bring out here in this place? And how do we really pay attention to the trends and culture of Adrian, that place that he'd first called? What's going on here? What are the needs here? What are you stirring up? Where are you already working? And then creatively engage that space and those people in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that creativity that we get to bring out. Um, and because of that, too, uh, you know, some statistics show that Um, people who do not know Jesus are six to eight times more likely to come and join a church plant than a traditional church. Wow. So sometimes there's already preconceptions. They may already have heard about those churches. They've driven past them. But something about a new church stirs up a curiosity. maybe, Yeah, exactly. A hope. And maybe they're speaking into the questions that I'm asking. Maybe they'll be able to bring this truth that I'm hungry for. And so there's a lot of eagerness in church planning, too about like, man, when we, we begin this, that like, what, what are the possibilities? Who's, who's going to be coming? Whose life is going to be transformed? All this hope that comes in with it too. That's, it's really fantastic too. Um, the other lesson I'd say here too, was even with all of that eagerness and hope, you have to wrestle when not all of your expectations are realized. You know, things don't blow up and become crazy huge. There can be, I know, um, one person's talked about lottery winners when it comes to church planning. Some people mm-hmm. plant a church and then it just explodes. Hundreds and hundreds of people come and they, they write books about how to plant churches and everyone tries like to follow formula, them. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, here's the formula of how yeah. to do that, but not recognizing that some of that is just chance, God's favor, all, whole sorts of things that come and be a, a part of that. And so realizing even if that doesn't happen, this is still a really beautiful work to be a part of. Even if my expectations aren't realized, God is still doing amazing things. Um, and I think I see that now more clearly, and that's been part of the growth in that. Yeah, I think you're saying a couple of things. Um, I'm kind of verbally processing as we go. Yeah, so, me too. But yeah, that it's... <laughs> <laughs> that it's some may disagree with this statement, and so I want to be mindful in how I say it, but, you know, church, church planting, it, I wouldn't use the word corporation with that. It's Mm -hmm. not a formula. It's not where you just come in and and you use statistics or this, that, and the other, you use it. And for the most part, you're guaranteed growth, Yeah. but there's beauty in that creativity and there's, and there's beauty and creativity in assessment because what you did is you didn't come to the area to say, we have all the answers. We know what this should look like. Mm -hmm. Other than the answer being Jesus, that's the only answer that you had the yeah. gospel yeah. with you um, and kind of going on this journey, um, something more organic that's unique to the area that you're in. Yeah. 
And that's where it's been really helpful to learn that there's a, a spectrum to that and a balance and wisdom to it that you want to come in and be aware of um, the place you're coming to and what particular needs are there or culture, like I was saying. And yet also learning from others who have really seen movement or change or success by using certain methods and not being afraid to replicate what other people have done. I think there's a humility to that that I think I didn't really have, especially this first round. Like, we're going to figure it all out from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to definitely figure it out. Yeah, we're going to go back to the way it's supposed to be. And there's still part of that primitivism in my heart that I like going back to the primitive ways of the New Testament and seeing what that looked like then and replicating it now. But it, it keeps us cut off from maybe traditions in the past or what other people are doing. And so for now I'm actually looking more broadly. So there's and this, is the balance I want to bring out that there's a lot of church planting organizations today, a ton of them, and they're doing really great stuff. Um, but even if everything they don't, they're doing, I might not agree with, there's still a lot that I can learn from them. So for instance, there's one group called the association of regular, regular churches or I'm missing that. It's, it's called ARC. Arc yeah. yeah. Association of uh, Related Churches. Sorry, I knew I was getting the R wrong. Association of Related Churches, ARC. Another conference called Exponential that happens every year. And a lot of these have just kind of created, I guess, in the negative way, the formula. Here's the method of how to plant a church. But a lot of it's just wisdom, like mm-hmm. trial and error. They've seen things that work and other things don't work. Statistics, all the way to showing this really fascinating to me that if you plant and start meeting in a middle school uh, versus a high school, you're less likely to grow. But if you meet in a high school of that town, you're actually more likely to grow. I'm like, that makes no sense. It sounds has nothing to do with the spirit or God or what it should be, but they've just done it so much that they Hmm. found out certain trends where people are at. And some of that feels gross to me, to be honest. Like we've gotten so nitty gritty about how church planning works. But there's also a wisdom to looking at at that and trying to understand, okay, people have done this before. Mm-hmm. They've failed a lot and they've learned from it. And I should have the humility to recognize mm-hmm. they have something to offer to me in that mm-hmm. without letting it just become such a straight formula, a straightforward formula. That I think if I do X, Y, Z, then this yeah. will be the definite result. That's where it gets unhealthy. I uh, think, yeah. When I think formula, I think, I think in my core, my assumption when I use that word or what I, you know, relate to that is, is like disregarding the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's a formula irregardless of the people or the community. So yes, yeah. formula can be good and there, there are steps to equip people. Yep. This is how you consider people. So um, when you say it like that, that's more clear to me. Yes. So I appreciate that. What are, can you speak more to some tips or ways that you guys did a more thorough assessment maybe of the community or what were we going to bring or maybe not bring or rule out yeah. in planting neighborhood church yeah. in Adrian? Yeah. One of the things we did that I loved was sitting down with people from the community and as many of them as we could and just asking them about Adrian. How long have they lived here? What do they know about the town? What are the social divides? What are the needs? What's the education? How's it doing economically? Um, well, how's it doing spiritually? Why would they say that? There's so much that you can just learn from people who have lived here. And part of that's just building relationships too. But it was really interesting to hear what comes out of that. So as two strangers that came to Adrian, we quickly learned there was an east-west divide. Yeah. That one side of town is much poor and they're viewed very differently than the other side of town. And it was interesting that the FEC, the organization that we were working with, 
already had an older church in that eastern part of town, in one of what uh, some people would say is the rougher part, uh, one of the roughest neighborhoods. And so I think, okay, God's clearly positioned the FEC already to be reaching out and being a light in that specific place. So we wanted to start doing that. Um, and so that was probably one of the, the, heart, uh, the heart of it, is actually having those conversations with local people around here um, and learning from them particularly.